Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from the Vine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I'm excited that you are walking with me. What we do each day is we look at about three chapters of Scripture that I'm just organically reading through in my time with the Lord, and we're going to discuss them for around 20 minutes. You're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters individually, but hopefully together we'll be able to hear the voice of the Lord as we're meeting each day. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage is from Isaiah 64, 65, and the final chapter of Isaiah chapter 66. And we're going to finish Isaiah today, and we'll be starting fresh with another book of prophecy, uh, the book of Jeremiah. And so that is uh, exciting, and Isaiah has blessed, has, has blessed me this time. It's so rich, full of um, just hope. Hope for what is and what has been and what will be. And, you know, I I know I've said it a few times, but it was probably the thing that was the nearest to my heart as we were reading um, in Isaiah this time was just that it's like the prophecies of Isaiah were written and then they were read and they were looked forward to. And um, it was kind of like they were they were reading the description of something that they did not possess and um but longed for and even just the longing for um for Jesus and the benefits that he would carry even just the 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 clinging to the promise of who he would be was enough to get them through you know just centuries of 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 waiting and it's like but for us this prophet the, these these prophecies are um, like the the manual for the car that we already own that sits in the glove box. You know, it, it's like we we just actually have forgotten so many of its amenities, you know, and it's kind of like I, I remember I was um, searching for an apartment years ago, and I remember um, at that t- season of my life, I was moving every year basically to somewhere new, and I saw this apartment and I was just enamored by the amenities that it had. You know, it had a gym, it had a swimming pool, it had a tennis court, it had a dog park, um, it had like a full uh, coffee bar inside the lobby, and um, it had a volleyball court. I mean, it was just like, it was so cool. And I remember that sold me on it. Like, I want to live here. And it cost uh, a little bit more than other places because of all those amenities. And but I I got it and I lived and I lived there for a year. And you know, I, several years after that, I remember thinking back to that apartment. And I thought, you know, I never used anything that was paid for the whole time that I lived there. I never swam in that swimming pool. I never used that tennis court. I'd never played volleyball. I never worked out. I never had a single cup of coffee, <laughs> you know, and it was like, it was like, man, that's, that's a bummer that like, I never even, you know, took advantage of what I was paying for. And, you know, I, I, I've just thought about that as I've read Isaiah and just where we've read, you know, passages like in, in chapter 26, verse three, 
where it says that he will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast on him. It's like, that's a promise. That's an amenity of being a follower of Jesus is peace. Like, I've come to bring peace on earth, you know? And it's like, yet, although, just like how I was paying for those amenities every month, Jesus paid for all these things to be given to us. But we have to take advantage of them. We have to use them. We have to actually acknowledge that he brings, the word says in Isaiah, everlasting joy. We have to acknowledge that I have everlasting joy in him and then lay hold of it and possess it. You know, it's like my car has, um, my car has heated seats in it, heated leather seats. You know, it's, it's, it's an old car, but it was like, at the top of the line, you know, 17 years ago when it came out, it was like top notch. And so it's got all these amenities and it's like, you know, but there's, there's these little buttons on it and, um, you actually have to, uh, push those buttons in order for your seats to be heated. And it's like, I think sometimes we just drive around in the car with our cold bottoms <laughs> and we think, yeah, some, some heated seats. And it's like, well, you, you do have to push the button. You know, and it's like everlasting, you know, peace and wonderful counselor. And well, you know, you do have to have a conversation with him. You you do have to open his word and read it over your life. You you do have to gather around other people. I mean, there's a participation to be played that doesn't take away from the grace of it all. You know, if someone gave me a car, they still gave it to me, yet I'm still the one responsible for pushing that button that warms up my bottom. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to expect for them to come over and do it. It was more than enough that you that you gave me the card. I'm like, you know, gosh, Lord, it's more than enough that you gave your son Jesus for us. It's more than enough that you've released peace on earth. It, it's it's more than enough that joy is available and hope and and patience and kindness and and now we've got to do our part to pursue him with our lives. And, and push those buttons and learn the manual. Open up the glove box, pull out that manual because there's, there's amenities in Christ that were paid for that we're still not taking full advantage of. And we're going to hopefully continue to uncover those benefits for the rest of our lives, healing and wisdom and, and learning about, you know, how to minister to other people and how to talk to other people and how to serve other people and how to be humble and how to be gentle and how to be kind. And we should just be flipping through, you know, the word and going, wow, that I have that in Christ too. Wow. I've got that in Christ too. Okay. I want that. How do you, okay. How do you activate that? Right? Because once you find out that you have an amenity, the next step is like, okay, how do I use it? How do I activate it? That's why Paul says, let us be zealous for the most helpful gifts. Because you, re- you're, you should be reading about a gift going, wait a second, I could have the gift of prophecy? Okay, I want it. How do I use it? How do I get it? It could help somebody? Let me, let me have it, you know? <coughs> you're reading in your manual, your car manual, and you go, wait a second. This thing will park itself? Like, how do I use that? You know, oh, I've got to push this button and, and put it in neutral, whatever. You know, and it go, oh, wow, it really does park itself, you know. But you have to follow the instructions, Follow the instructions. And so I just think that's been my biggest takeaway from the book of Isaiah. Just this fresh time through was just, it was so neat just kind of understanding as as we were reading through it that it was enough for these people just to cling to 
the promise that one day these things would be fulfilled. So how much more than enough should it be for us to be able to cling to these promises that were that are active and alive? So many of them are available to us right now. And so um, I'm going to start in 64 today. In Isaiah 64, it says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries and that the nations might tremble at your presence when you did awesome things that we did not look for you came down the mountains quaked at your presence from of old no one has heard or perceived by the ear no one has seen a god besides you who acts for those who wait for him what a what a promise. God, that's God's nature. He acts for those who wait for him. You know, it's like, man, you know, I, I know we've spoke about waiting before, um, especially in Isaiah, you know, because it says, you know, those who wait on the Lord, you know, their strength will be renewed like the angles, the, the, they'll mount up, you know, just, just all these different things, these amazing promises of waiting. But that's the Lord's promises that he acts for those who wait for him you know it's just it's so cool you know i think about i think about the story of saul and his impatience to wait on the lord you know so he tried to take the battle into his own hands and it didn't it didn't work you know there's it's hard to wait but you 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 lose every battle that you rush into anyway so you might as well wait you know when you want to have that 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 fight with someone that altercation when you want to you know all these things like you might as well just wait on what the Lord has to say and how he's going to commission the situation because in his timing and in his way, it's so much sweeter. It's so much better. And so, um, I just love that promise. He acts for those who wait. He acts for those who wait. And it says, you meet him who joyfully works righteousness. Those who remember you in your ways, you meet with him who joyfully works righteousness. The Lord is near to those who are, who are workers of righteousness, a doing of the things that are near to his heart. He's close to them in their work. And those who remember, who remember the Lord. And it says, behold, you were angry and we sinned. In our sins we have been a long time. And shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. And, um, you know, just, just this concept of, man, you've given us these promises that you're going to work on our behalf and you're going to save us. But man, what are we, what are we worthy of that we would be saved when, when <clears throat> even our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment? You know, the, the, there's, you know, different translations, you know, all of, all of our righteous deeds are like a, a polluted garment or like a filthy rag is some translations. Um, I remember reading a commentary years ago that said, the the context of this was like a like a menstrual rag and that's a bit gruesome isn't it you're probably thankful that your translation doesn't put it that way yet i've ruined it for you by saying it anyway <laughs> it it says all of our righteous deeds are are like that of a menstrual rag meaning it it's 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 still it's still gross you know it's 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 bloody you know, it, it's just like that's that's the epitome of of our cleanliness and our own strength. It's like that that's that's used, and and it's just it, it's a polluted garment. That's the best that we've got. 
That's the best that we've done. Any of our lives, if, if without Jesus, if we just compare the good that we've done and all the little things that we've thought that were good and everything that we said that was good and everything that we did that was good, it, it is so incredibly overpowered by everything that we've, fed, we've said and that we've thought and that we've did that's bad that, that it's just like that of a blood-covered rag. That's what we look like. And how is it that you would want to save us when that's the, that's the truth of it is that none of us are righteous, not even one. And it's powerful, though, when we do remember that, though, because it ruins a lot of our judgment because we like to judge people. And, you, and we go, well, you're this and you're that. And it's important to remember, actually, you're a polluted garment and so am I. And I'm just saved by grace. And now the Lord is cleansing me and he's making me new. Right, But the person that I was wasn't someone worthy of the salvation that I have. And we need to keep that in mind. And so this is the portion of it where we understand that it isn't that by our righteous deeds that we were saved, but we were saved to do righteous deeds. Right, So we were, we were purchased and then set on a new course. But it wasn't as though the course that we were on made us worthy to be purchased because we're all sinners. And we've all done so much more. Our bad has outweighed every bit of our good. Every single person alive, it's one thing we share in common. And it says, we all fade like a, we- like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. You know, and it says then later, it says, but, Matt, but now, O oh Lord, <clears throat> you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. And so it's just this, this submission to, <clears throat> Lord, what we've been is it hasn't been worthy of salvation, but whatever we are, we're yours. We've just put ourselves in your hands. You're our, you're our father, we're your children, and we're the clay and you're the potter. You just make, make of me what you will, mold me however you want to. And that makes for a good song, you know, makes for a pretty good prayer. But it's a lot more difficult to live that out because the reality of it is is that you have a decent understanding already of the kind of person that you'd like to be, you know, rich and famous, good looking, (laughs) you know, everybody stays out of your way all the time unless they come around just to, you know, compliment you on, on how, you know, good looking and talented you are, you know, so we've kind of got that in mind. And so it's just, it's it's a wild prayer to go, you know, Lord, you just make me what you want to make me. Even if it's the wash basin at someone's feet, you just make me that. Even if it's where the dirty water collects, you know, if you just want to make me the cup that you drink out of, you just do it, Lord. You just fashion me in whatever way you want to. And if you need to take in a little from the sides, you do it. If you want to stretch me out and make me taller and pull in everything, you do it. You know, this is really actually a it's really actually a painful prayer because I'm saying, Lord, you just make me what you want me to be. I, I, I surrender my right to care anymore, you know, and that's that's a big prayer there. But it's a beautiful one, though, because no one's a better potter than him. And while the process might hurt and while you may become different than what you wanted to be, there's nothing like becoming who he made you to be. Right. There's nothing that we could ever make in ourselves that would ever compare to the way that he could make us. And so we, we, we must surrender and say, you're the father, I'm the clay, you're the potter. I'm just the work in your hands. And so um, you know, it goes on, and, and, and for, in chapter 65 it says, I was ready to be sought for those who did not ask me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called out by my name. 
I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and making offerings on bricks, who sit in tombs and spend the night in secret places, who eat pig's flesh and broth of tainted meat that is in their vessels, (coughs) who say, keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am too holy for you. These are a smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all the day. Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silent, but I will repay. I will indeed repay into their lap both your iniquities and your father's iniquities together, says the Lord. Because they made offerings on the mountains and insulted me on the hills, I will measure into their lap payment for their former deeds. And um, and so it's just this understanding of that there, these people have just been giving him this this. Um, hypocritical lip service of faith that considers themselves high, uh, high and lofty and righteous and holy, and and yet they're really far from from them. They're they're close with their lips and they're far from their hearts. And the word says that their worship is a farce. Their worship is just it's fake. It's for show. And the Lord says, I'm not fooled by any of that. And I, I'm going to humble those that are exalting of themselves. And so. Um, and then it says, uh, going in down into verse 17, for behold, I created new heavens and a new earth and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in, in that which I create for behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. And it goes down further. And this is where we're getting into this, this, this future glory where we're like, man, well, we know that heaven has come through Jesus and we're experiencing of heaven here. But then there's also a later day where there's a new heaven. And in this new heaven, we can just tell it's a greater degree of glory and perfection that we've tasted yet on earth. But we believe that one day this will be our present reality where it says things like, no more shall there be in it. An infant who lives a, but a few days, or an old man who does not who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and a sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build another inhabit. inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, but for they shall be the offspring of the Lord and their descendants. And he says, before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the dust shall be the serpent's food. And they shall not turn, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. And so just, just this wild understanding of like, there's some things here. And, you know, some of it, you know, we can, we can kind of go, well, maybe we have a little of this now, you know, because like, there's like healing released. And so, People are able to live, you know, longer lives and we're able to, you know, you know, we see the dead come back to life and, and all that. But then at the same time, we know we're still in a fallen world too, because we know that even good believing people sometimes die young, you know, who are filled with faith. And, you know, it, it's even, you know, people even still have stillborn children and there's still these things that are happening in this world that, that, you know, scripture says, wait a second, this isn't going to take place anymore. You know, and um, it's really when we read it, 
we know that we have some portions of this now, but that some of this is reserved for our future glory, where it really sounds like there's going to be a restoration of the Garden of Eden. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm not stating necessarily that it's going to be in the same place that the cherubim are guarding, but it's this releasing of how things were before the fall. And it's interesting to me because it speaks of how we're going to labor and stuff. You know, because we don't, we don't understand what heaven's going to be like and what's it like when we, after we die. I think a lot of us think about, you know, this kind of, it, it's a celestial place that's too great to imagine. And that is true. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. We can't even imagine. So there's just, there's that. But I think sometimes when we think about being there, I think a lot of times we think about doing nothing. Right? <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to be in heaven. What do you, I'm just going to be. But it's like... But but the Garden of Eden was a perfect place, and they worked in it. You know, it, there was nothing. They didn't work because they had to. They worked because it was what was good for them. It, they worked because it was what they enjoyed. You know, and it's it's just wild to just even begin to think of heaven as being a place where actually I I work. I don't know in what effect, but but that I do. I serve the Lord, and He's so near that He answers me. Before I even call, like we are so one that there's not even a lag between my prayers and his answers, but we're just in this constant state of unity, right? And it, it's just, it's wild to envision. And, and I don't think it's even healthy for us. I think we can, I think we think about the realities of heaven as scripture says, I think that's healthy, but I don't think it's healthy for us to too clearly think that we've defined what it's really going to be like, because I think scripture is pretty clear that that anything we come up with is going to be pretty pale in comparison. And so we can daydream. And then when we, when we reach the end of our daydreaming, we go, well, you know, it's going to be like that, but it's going to be a lot better. You know, that that's where we're going to end up at. And so it's just this beautiful picture of what's coming one day. And so in Isaiah 66, it says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. And so all these things come to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. I love that. So he's looking for people that are humble. That's lowly, meek. He's looking to people who are contrite in spirit. That means repentant. People that are just in a state of, Lord, search me, examine me, point out anything in me that's offensive to you. I just want to grow and I want to change and I want to conform to your image. I'm not too stuck on being who I am that I don't want to be like you more than I want to be like me. And then it says, and one who trembles at my word. Just this fearfulness before the Lord. That's like, no, Lord, you're really greater than me. This is a reverence. This is what Moses had. You know, this is what he had when he took his feet, took his shoes off and was barefoot before the Lord. It's just this trembling before the word of the Lord that we should carry. And so, um, it's, it's pretty cool. And it, it, and it, of course I'm out of time, but it goes forth in 66 and it talks about a peace, uh, being like a river and, and a comfort that he's going to bring to his people like that of a mother who bounces an infant on her knee. And that's the comfort that we receive. You know, when you see a mother dealing with a newborn infant, you know, you see, there's just this 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 effect that the mother has on the child that is so nurturing and loving. And, and the Lord says, I'm going to give that to you. That's a promise. That's something else in the manual. That's another amenity. Is to the He's near to the brokenhearted, and he comforts those who are afflicted. And so we, we he's with those who are crushed in spirit, those who are grieving, those who are mourning. He brings about a comfort to even to a grown man, to, to a 60-year-old woman. He literally, in his presence, he bounces us on his knee in such a, in the same nurturing effect. And so, but and then it goes down to the very end and it says those who sanctify and purify themselves to go into the gardens following one of the midst and, and it says uh 
for I know the works and their thoughts, and a time is coming where I'm going to gather all the nations in the tongues, and they shall come to see my glory. And so it it talks about just this understanding of us preparing ourselves to enter into this future glory. And then at the end it says, For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so, so shall your offspring in your name forever, from new moon to new moon, and from Sabbath to Sabbath. Uh, all flesh shall come before me, declares the Lord. And uh, and so it's just it's just this really cool final judgment and re- and talking about the glory of the Lord that's coming in this way of just this new heaven and this new earth. And so we have plenty to rejoice over because of heaven that's here and because of Jesus in us and the kingdom that we've been transplanted into. And then we have also some to rejoice in that there's a future glory that's greater than I could ask for or imagine. But one day I will taste of that glory and I will lay a hold of what it feels like to be in the in a place of constant perfection.